This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Okay, welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion. Uh, first of all, a big thank you to everyone who listens to the show, uh, wherever you may be, all over the world. We get them everywhere listening to this, and thank you very much for your listenership. And also, as well, on, on the other podcasts as well, Ali Rouge and Blood Red and all of them. Thank you uh, very, very much for being a part of uh, this little family. Um, we shall now talk... Oh, well, I'll bring in my guests, first of all, because we've got the heavy hitters in. Um, because last night's performance I thought was weak and lacklustre, I thought we'd double up and make sure we we're very, very strong in all aspects, in all areas. So on my right, I have Christine Walsh. How are you, pal? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm all right. I'm a little bit deflated after last night. I'm sure we all are. We'll get cracking on in a minute. Oh, to my left is uh, Paul Wheelock. Hello, pal. Hi, mate. You okay? Yeah, I'm uh, good. As I say, last night, I'll kick it off, really, and then we'll get going on it, really, because I'd like your opinions on it, obviously, being the experts that you are in the field and outside the fields and yeah. entries as well, apparently. Um, <laughs> It was a lacklustre, slow, what's the adjectives we can use for this? What are the words we can use? Lacklustre, slow, disjointed. Uh, where do we start? Christian, kick it off for us, mate. What actually, it's, it's quicker to say what went wrong than what went right, or what went right than what went wrong, sorry. What actually happened last night to Liverpool Football Club? Absolutely no idea. It's the worst club performance, I think, in the past 18 months. It's, well, let's let's be fair, the Tottenham results at uh, Wembley yeah, last season, yeah, it's definitely shocking. the worst one since then in terms of performance. And somehow they were almost two minutes away from, from actually getting a very good point. But you could just tell from the off, it, it, it was a very disjointed, I think that's a really good word for it, a very disjointed performance. Nobody really seemed to have confidence in what they were meant to be doing. Um, was that a formation thing, Christian? Did he play a formation that they suddenly... Because it didn't seem any different to me. Well, I think it might have been a mentality thing. I, I wonder, because Jürgen was very keen after the game to put the blame on himself. I mean, he does that anyway. He's, yeah. he's very he's, he's very good like that. But, he, you know, he, he made it clear that he was, you know, to blame for the, for the well, results. Partly. Partly. Me. Yeah, he wouldn't have been happy with the players. It would have been a quiet uh, playing home. But I wonder if it was a case of he's done something that he doesn't do very often at Liverpool and that's play for a, for a draw. Yeah. I think he's looked at the fact that Liverpool have had this huge series of games you've had intense games against Chelsea back to back it started off with the PSG and the Tottenham games you had the Southampton one which was a bit of a stroll to be fair in the middle of it but you've gotten into game 6 of this 7 game stretch now over 22 days Manchester City on on Sunday and I wonder if he's just thought terrible pitch tough game we just sort of have what we hold here we beat PSG at home and a draw here is more than good enough. The problem with that is that Liverpool can't really play like that. They don't no. know how to play like no. that. I don't think that's a criticism. I I, I, I think if a, if a team can do what they do so well, then that's absolutely fine. And they've proven before that if they need to double down and if they need to hold on to something this season, they've been able to do it. But to start the game with that mentality, it just seems to me that they were maybe second-guessing themselves a little bit. And if that is the case, Paul Wheelock, then... Surely there's an argument to say, let's go over there, let's get a draw or a win, let's go for the win, six points in the bag and we can ease off further down the line or we can ease off a little bit later on and and just pick off the home ties, if you like, and, and, and get through. Um, strategically now, because of the result last night, we, we're, in a, we're in a much worse position than we would have been before. And so if what Christian just said is, is true, it's, only, it's obviously only an observation. Um, that's a massive misjudgment, isn't it? Yeah, because you know you look at it now. The good thing is Red Star Belgrade. 
up next twice, isn't it? So yeah, you'd, totally you'd away, hope yeah. six points from there. So I don't think it's a disaster what happened last night. But as as you both said rightly there, it just makes the group more interesting than it should have been, shouldn't it, really? Particularly with Napoli uh, obviously going on to four points as well. It's, it's just an interesting one. I always wonder about players. They are only human at the end of the day. And I'm pretty sure they would have had City in the back of their minds last night. And having got Paris Saint-Germain out of the way and got the three points there, it's almost like, do you kind of subconsciously just like, slip off the pace a little bit and as you say a point would have been a great result last night you know if if held on for a few more minutes this discussion probably won't be won't be taking place today we said poor show got the points come home concentrate on city but it's probably just an, a nice reminder or a bit of a reality check that you, you can't in these big games particularly just you know come off the pace too much yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, if we're going to put a positive spin on it, which we should do, let's be honest with you, we all know it was a naff game. We all know it was a terrible performance. Um, you would have to say that of all the games we need to do that in, we went, to, you know, the carry bag, the carrier bag cup. I can do without you. Five <laughs> games and you've won it or something stupid like that. Sunday's game against Chelsea was scintillating. It was a, it was one of the best Premier League games I've seen in many many years. It was brilliant. So the argument could then be, well, all right, look, we have got, we've got, uh, we we did really well against PSG at home. We've got that. We've got three points. We can move on, hopefully, and and get a result against Red Star. So if you're going to make a hiccup, is this the best time to do it? Now that you're coming home to a bit of stick and you've got a massive game on Sunday. So would this be the game? I know that some of the pros have been out. Phil Barber, I think one of them saying the best time you're going to, if you're going to have a rick, do it now, just before a massive game. So you're going to be, obviously Klopp's going to get, get older than now and say, do not do that again. I think so. And I think it, I mean, it, not quite the same for City, but you saw that they lost against Leon at home uh, a fortnight ago, and it, it's focused them again. You know, they're, they're back to back to the scintillating best. Um, I, I think I think that's right. I think if, if Liverpool managed to avoid defeat on Sunday, you'd hold your hands up and say, "Well, those seven games, if you're going to lose two, you would have probably picked the Chelsea." Cup game, and yeah. I know it's a cup, and I know Liverpool need to win trophies. But let's face it, the team selection alone said what the priority. You get one of them at every yeah. six quid worth of petrol. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah, be yeah, asked yeah, about yeah. that <laughs> one too much, to be honest with you. And the Napoli away game because yeah. the fixtures have been kind to Liverpool in that sense. They've got Red Star Belgrade back to back. Now we can't underestimate the Serbians because they got a nil nil against Napoli, and yeah. Napoli showed last night that they're no mugs. They're a decent team as well. But really, Liverpool, if they do have any designs of going far in this competition again, should be getting six points from that. I can also, I'll be honest with you. And I thought Napoli were poor. I think, I think, I think they're creative. But last day they were terrible. I mean, they could really have been three or four. Well, up I would have been if with, I was with an, a better finishing side. If I was an Napoli fan, I would have been annoyed. Number one, because my stadium's crumbling. And the sight lines don't look great from that bottom tier. But also the the, the fact that they, they misplaced so many passes, it was unreal. They were they were almost as bad as Liverpool yeah. in terms of not creating you know chances. And it was only until maybe the last 20, 15, 20 minutes where they really started to to come strong. And um, you know, I, I think the hope for Liverpool now is that I, I I've looked at the groups and I don't think it really matters if Liverpool come first or second. So. I think the big hope for Liverpool is that PSG see off Napoli home and away in these two games. Liverpool see off Red Star Belgrade in the next two games. And then basically they need a point from one of the last two to, yeah. to go through. We'll see. It never really works out like that, does it? But, you know, we'll have to see how it develops. No, uh, I mean, when you're looking at last night's game, though, what what, what came across to you, Paul, uh, in the pattern that we played? Was it? Do you think it was complacency? Do you think it was fatigue? Because... Whatever they were, the same thing still applied with the front three at the moment, which is that whenever Salah got the ball, his first touch was dreadful. He's lo- it's like he's thinking so hard now, whereas it was just coming to him. Last season, it was 
it was almost he was beating people because he was he didn't really know which way he was going to go himself. Now he's you can feel him thinking about it so much. His first touch is letting him down badly. Firmino didn't really get involved in the action. Mane was out there but didn't really do much. There was no real connection between midfield and and. and well, is this a fatigue thing? Is it a complacency thing? Or was it just a really bad day at the office that we can just put to bed? With Salah, it's just every game he goes without a goal now, a big drama, isn't it? You know, he's still got three goals for the season. It's just that he set himself these ridiculously high standards in his in his first season with Liverpool. And funnily enough, I was thinking about him last night uh, after the game finished to watch the highlight show on BT Sport. And obviously Messi was just unreal, wasn't he, at Tottenham yeah. again? And it kind of got me thinking, like, Salah was rightly in, mentioned in the same breath last season as, as Messi and Ronaldo, but why they are so good is that they've had those spells, haven't they, in the careers, particularly Ronaldo in recent years. He's having one himself at the moment, isn't he, with the Juventus, and he always come through it, and he always deliver. And I think that's the challenge facing Salah, yes. and it's a really tough challenge, you know, to be honest. But if he can come through this spell for the better, he'd be better for it. I really do believe that, but he is in that company now, isn't he? And the pressure's on him. And every game that goes by, as I say, the more it comes on him. But he just I just wonder the what happened last season. It was just magnificent all the way up to the final. The injury, then what happened with Egypt and this this politics going on over there, isn't there? And then he's he's going back there again in a couple of weeks, isn't he, for the international break. I just wonder if he, he just needs a little break almost, he, you know, human, switch off. He? Yeah. He's yeah. human, yeah. he's human, he's been through a hell of a lot. So you've you've got this you've been, you know, Channel Four are doing documentaries on him. You've been and it I know obviously we think that football is a are away from all of that, but they're not. They understand sort yeah. of when they're becoming an icon in a, in a city like Liverpool, yeah, and, and they know that they're an icon in a country like Egypt. You know, he's a, he's a national hero, so he gets to the World Cup with Egypt and he has the Champions League final, and it all just goes wrong. It's his worst nightmare. He, you know, it's not even like he, it's not like he missed a penalty against yeah. Real Madrid. He he literally didn't have a chance to do what he was doing yeah. all that season. The stars were aligned for him to to become, you know. Launch himself into the stratosphere, and Sergio Ramos and his, his, his you know, his hip toss failed, failed to uh, to let that happen. That has an impact on his World Cup. You know, it might be his only ever chance to play at a World Cup. Then you've got, as Paul said, the idea of the uh, the Chechen leader, and he's being used in in this sort of propaganda game, and you know, it's a very you know all the politics and that's going beyond beyond that. He's also, you know, he did play at the World Cup, probably not fully fit, so he's probably got a bit of a hangover from that as well. So you add all of this together. Now he's back in Liverpool. The media are going on about how he's suffering a dip. Is he a one-season wonder? I mean, he's not, but people are talking in that sense. So I think it's hard. I think you've got to remember sometimes just that these people are humans. You know, mm. they, they are football course, players, yeah, but they're humans, and I think it impacts upon them. I think what also, I don't know if anyone noticed last night, but when he took his shirt off, he's still got his shoulder taped yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still got bandage yeah, on his yeah. shoulder. So you just have to wonder exactly how... If he's how playing f- with it in his mind Yeah, as well. exactly, yeah. because there was, there was one moment actually yesterday when he went in for a... There was a one-on-one, so a through ball, I think it might have been by Firmino or maybe Mane, and he raced through, and... You know, he was he was quick to it, and the speedo, speedo came, came out, yeah, yeah. and he just sort of pulled up, and yeah. that's not him being, you know, you know the 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 old man shout to be, you know, oh that's him, he doesn't fancy it, you know, he doesn't yeah, like yeah. it, but he's he's always gone in for those sorts of challenges. I just wonder if he's a bit worried that the momentum carries him forwards and he lands on his shot. It could, you, know, you don't know, do you? But I mean, you wouldn't I, be surprised. I'd have that more than all the other stuff because I've spoken to ex-players, ex-pros, and I suppose it's easy when you're an ex-pro to just say this is how it is because they don't play anymore. But I always remember speaking to an ex-pro once who said whatever whatever was on his mind outside of the game, 
that's why they love playing football because when they cross that white line, they don't think about any of that rubbish. They don't think about what's going on in the outside world. It's the game. It's the football game, and it's like a bubble. So sometimes when he says oh, he's got a lot on his mind outside the game, I I, I always refer back to that and I think well he he probably wants to be on a football pitch. Mm. He doesn't want to be dealing with that stuff. He wants to be on a football pitch. He doesn't. He's not running around the pitch thinking oh god that you know such and such happened in the papers or that. That's where they want to be. So I'm less likely to to to, to be convinced by this thing about he's worrying about what I, what I do believe though is one I think if he is still injured or he's still carrying the mental scar of of an injury like that, that's that's something that could really affect him. And also I suppose the the gasps and ooze every time he runs anywhere near the ball because that's something he's dealing with at a live event. And I think judging by some of his touches last night and and in previous matches, he's just struggling to. He's thinking about it. He's overthinking every situation, I think. He's thinking it, when the ball's coming to him, here's a player coming towards me, right, what am I going to do? Am I going to go this way? Whereas last season, he just did it. He, he did, there was no chains on him and you could feel the kind of chains pulling them back, can't you? I always remember that ball against Roma at Anfield when he left the Roma player, like, all ends up and he tapped it, he tapped it in for Firmino to, to, to score and that was just a player who was at one with the football. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. just—he was absolutely fluid. You know, he knew exactly what he was and doing. The, and the Spurs game at Anfield when he dropped two of them on the arse, and he just did that. In, it was a ridiculous angle. He beat them, and and you just think that's someone playing on a different level. He's taking the ball in a situation where you can't possibly think you're going to score from it, and he's doing just that because he's just playing at a different level. He's yet to reach that level, obviously, and. And, it, you know, it does get concerned. It will get concerned as games go by because there's only so many times you can do it. We've looked statistically and he ain't that far off and he has been scoring goals. But he needs to sort of get a grip soon and he needs to start, you know, start enjoying his football and think a little bit more and enjoying what he's doing with it a little bit more. He's always playing with a smile on his face, you can tell. But you wonder whether that's a bit of a... Um, a retrospective smile at what he's just done, you know what I mean, or whether or not, because a lot of it seems to be that he's shaking his head as if to say, "I've just done that again." He needs to, he he definitely needs to step up. In his defence, though, he wasn't alone last night. Um, Naby Keita is an interesting one. I mean, we've waited a long time for Naby Keita, and when you wait a long time for a player, nine times out of ten, you can then end up thinking, "Oh, that wasn't what I was expecting." He's he's a bit of a uh, he's a bit of an enigma at the moment to me because uh, on one side of the, the coin he was making some brilliant I mean his, his change of pace his, his acceleration with the ball at his feet very hard to get off the ball he was doing some lovely sprints into the box uh, last night and then the flip side of that was uh, giving away terrible passes like the one that almost cost a goal just before. He he went down like with some sort of sniper shot from the grassy knoll because we can't figure out exactly what happened. He went down looking to me like he was holding his leg. I mean, I've, I was convinced he'd pulled a hamstring. Uh, and then it seems it was a back injury, Paul, that they've they rushed him to hospital and have found absolutely nothing wrong with him. Yeah, thankfully he's been given all the, the all clear and he could be involved on Sunday, couldn't he, against City? Yeah, it, it, it's a funny one. I, I was really excited to see him, given all the hype around and the, the clips we'd seen in Germany. And certainly early early doors, that, that excitement was only like heightened by that pass to Robinson for Salah's goal against West Ham and that turn against Palace. But it's probably we've seen him in flits and starts, well, haven't we, really? Yeah. And it's just interesting to see what position he's going to play long term because the last couple of games, high high caliber opposition, Chelsea twice, and then Napoli. We're going to see City on uh, Sunday. It's probably the first time of fourth, and it's easy to say this in hindsight. And and when you go a few games without to win, it's probably a time where I thought Liverpool could still do with a Coutinho kind of player. You know that top quality number ten who can unlock a defense. Yeah, where's he and, now? Yeah, <laughs> well, it's the Fakir. I don't want to bring Fakir up, yeah. but you know it's. It, just the last few of the games, and that's that's easy to say because you're playing against absolutely top quality opposition as well. But Kate has not 
quite lived up to that level yet. As you put it, still really early days. It is early days. And you wonder, I mean, last night, um, Henderson, he, and, and I'm watching them thinking, all right. Uh, and it was one of, them f- one of them first times in a long time as a Reds fan, Christian, that I've been able to go, all right, he's coming off, but Hendo's coming on. And he did start off quite good, Hendo. And you wonder whether Cater was brought in. It's, it's still, we're still having to decide which one he was brought in to replace because yeah. Wijnaldum is playing himself into every game. He was he was probably out of the bunch outside of um, Gomez, Van Dijk and uh, and Becker. was probably one of the strongest of the outside of the periphery there as well because he was still holding the ball up well. Milner is again playing for his place. So you wonder whether Klopp's thought, oh, hello, actually, I can't really drop them two. Um, Henderson, because he's sort of saying he hasn't had a decent break, you could see by Henderson's face that he was fired up when he come on. He was making a point of saying, you know, I'm going to show you now that you shouldn't have dropped me in the first place. So you wonder whether he was brought in to be the replacement of Henderson at some point, but he's just not doing it at the moment, mate, is he? No, and what, what I think what you've got to think about Kayser is that he was bought, obviously, a year ago. You know, In that time, I think Klopp's probably had all these plans for him, but you know, Oxlade-Chamberlain gets injured, so there's automatically one player where... He, basically, that he needs to replace Oxley Chamberlain mm. now. Lalana's been injured again, mm. so again, Liverpool have only really got now Naby Keita as as a potential number ten, um, which isn't ideal because I don't think that's his position. Every time I, I saw clips of him in in Germany with Leipzig, and everything he's in the centre, wasn't he? He, was in, he, he drives from deep. Yeah. He's a you know I don't like to put these labels, but he was that traditional box to box midfielder yeah. where. He track back and make tackles, but he'd also burst forward and be that that like late running man into the box. He had him on the left last night, didn't he? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. also the Coutinho role where it's yeah. it's also you know to use Klopp parlance, he always says it in the half spaces. He was basically mm. in between the wing and the number ten position. Um, I can see why he picked him because I, I I did think when he went off as erratic as he was on the ball at times, we lost pace, didn't we? We lost a lot of pace. You could see that Klopp yeah. identified Napoli were letting spaces develop in between the defence and the midfield and that was yeah. where he would have really profited when he went off when Aldum and Milner didn't quite have that about them to, to get in there and, and, and drive forward. I think with with Keita, you know, similar to Fabinho, um, who I thought actually was quite good when he came on. Um but, you know, Keita I think because everybody assumed, well, he's from Germany and Klopp's from Germany mm. and, you know, this will be a match made in heaven and he's wasted the year. And the problem is you get those bloody four minute YouTube clips yeah. which you know let's face it would make Titus Bramble look like a worthy <laughs> wouldn't he? If, if you, it'd have some you, good goals you, can put, the, you can put the right moments of anyone together and people showing this driving through plus you know some of them against Auschenstrasse 48 from, <laughs> from God knows where so so, uh, and then you get him and then you're thinking okay and plus he needs to settle and he needs to know where he wants to play and he needs to know and he needs to get a run doing I, it I think Jürgen's figuring that out as well yeah. I, I really do and as I say, it, it's been such a the, the, the whole midfield scenario. You could do a podcast on its own on it because it's changed so much in the past eighteen months. It's unreal. You know, you, you basically at the moment you've got somebody, a player, Holden, who hasn't really played Holden midfield before in his career yeah. before now, who's all of a sudden been converted. You have alongside him in midfield a player who two years ago was playing left back yeah. <laughs> and then came back into central midfield and everybody lost their heads when last pre-season Klopp was saying oh we have a new midfielder his name is James yeah, Milner yeah, yeah. and then you've got Naby Keiser who people have been waiting 18 months for you've got Oxley chamberlain who's now out for a, for a year um, you've got Coutinho has been and gone Emery Chan's been mm. and gone 
yeah, exactly. And and also, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't have Chambak, but you know, there's no. another change that, to that midfield dynamic. And then, of course, you got the, the the club captain who seemingly can't get a game at the moment. All oh, right, it's because of pretty much the pre-season scenario. He was in um, he was in the World Cup with England, so the semi-finals. But he's not playing at the moment, so it's this really strange situation. And the problem is, when the front three are getting marked out the game the way they are at the moment, Liverpool need somebody from that midfield to drive from deep and and, and chip in with goals and assists. And, and that's the problem at the moment. Is the spotlight's on the front three, I think, Absolutely. more mm. because the midfield aren't helping Absolutely. out with the goals and assists. You look at last season, after the front three, in terms of goals, top goal scorers, Coutinho gone. Mm. Oxley Chamberlain injured and Emery Chang gone. Yeah, yeah. So and then after that, I think top goal scorer was Trent Alexander Arnold with three. Wow. So I know Sturridge has come back; he scored four already this season. But it it is something to bear yeah, in mind. We definitely needed. We definitely need a midfield goal presence to take to take. And the, Case could be that. Yeah. But I think he's still adapting. Obviously, the injury didn't help. But even Eddie, you know, he looked a bit dangerous against Chelsea force at Anfield in the Is, cup, it, you know, he There's no decent. doubt about it. Even to the point where if his end result's better and he knocks it across to one of the front three. But when it comes to that midfield, that's, that turn of pace is extraordinary and he keeps the ball. He's tough to get off the ball. Uh, what he's got to stop doing is giving the ball away. <laughs> but but he's, he's tough to get off the ball. Um, do, you think, do you think Trent needs a break? I thought he was very poor last night, Trent. And, and I, I thought he's been... He's been... Get, he's been He's been below par, let's say, for the last few games, in my opinion. It's only my opinion, but I think last night, particularly, uh, he suffered. Do you we think should, it's time we, to get Klein in and, uh, and give him a bit of a rest? Or? I, I don't know about that. I agree that he probably, at some point, he will need a break. Like all young players, that rise he's had has just been incredible, mm-hmm. hasn't it? And he will suffer a dip. It's only natural. Yeah, we yeah. all know he's the real deal. The worry I would have by giving him a break is if Klein comes in, and that's 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 nothing against Klein, but I thought the full-back areas in the Carabao Cup tie against Chelsea was where Liverpool really struggled, and a, a particularly Moreno, but also Klein, and that was a concern for me. The problem is last night was where we struggled on the full-backs. Yeah, I mean, but that, but that was a shock. Ro- it, was a, it was a shock, Trent. wasn't it? Even like for the goal, Robinson just switching off for that second. We've, again, talk about Salah earlier setting high standards. The two full-backs have done mm. it so well. Uh, it's just picking the games, isn't it? It's like probably Salah could probably have done with a rest, but you you can't do that for City. You you can't drop a rest transfer for Sunday against City. It's just picking the games. I I've got a degree of sympathy for Klopp because there've been so many big games in this short space of yeah, time. Of course, yeah, he's, he's almost had to go with his full strength team, hasn't he? So yeah, you, you you're probably right, but it's it's just one. Christian, do you think what do you think about the Trent situation at the moment? Did you think he had a bit of a below? Oh, I thought one? I thought he was him and Salah were the, the worst two. I thought on the pitch. I thought that right hand side. I mean, ironically, the goal came from the left, but I mm-hmm. thought the right hand side in general was was poor all night. Um, his his, his decision making wasn't great. He he's, he's, he's been overplaying passes. He's been doing that since the first game of the season. To be fair, he was, I remember him slapping his leg in frustration mm-hmm. at West Ham. He's been getting he's been getting caught up the pitch a little bit, yeah. but again, that's that's a Klopp instruction, you know. Yeah. So you, you do wonder about that. I'm with Wheelow in the sense that I, I I don't think Klein is is a is a Klopp fullback anymore. So I I I, don't, I think you lose a hell of a lot if you drop, not drop if you rest, uh, Trent and give him a break. The problem there is, of course, he's 19 years of age and he does need a rest. It sort of worked with Gomez last season. I thought it, it, both of them really helped out each other until Gomez got injured. Those two rotate. The problem with Gomez now is you want to see him in that <laughs> you, can't, you, can't you can't move him. You can't move him. So. 
you would have to rely on someone like Nathaniel Klein. Now, look, Nathaniel Klein's a good pro. He's solid. I just think going forward, he doesn't give no. Liverpool that extra dimension. Um, would it help maybe free up Salah a little bit more because is Salah perhaps thinking about looking after Trent a bit on that side? You know, maybe. Um, I wouldn't do it for City. See how it goes during the international break. See how they all come back. Yeah. You know, get Klein on the training pitch at Melwood and try and get him to to actually go forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Go forward. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just his. He doesn't, he doesn't take the ball on the move. He doesn't. He doesn't move with the ball. He can't take, beat a man, you know. And you, you, no matter how bad Trent is, he's always got that ball up the line. Yeah, yeah, locker, yeah. Hasn't he? yeah. I mean, there was still there was still there was moments last night. Wasn't he did, it? Right. Yeah, there was a couple yeah. of them. But I, I mean, I agree. I, you know, any nineteen-year-old needs 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 a break now and then. It's going to be a long season, hopefully, because they're going to go far in, in in several competitions. But it's just about how how Yang manages to do that. Yeah, they've got an easier running after the. International break in terms of Huddersfield and Cardiff, so yeah, Red yeah. Star. You know, is Trent needed a home to Red Star? Probably not. Yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Switch and change. Um, I was going to say something, and it's gone completely out of my head. Uh, well, let's talk about Koulibaly for, uh, for, for, uh, at the back. Are you for, on about Robertson? The other side? No, it wasn't. It was something anyway, but I, it'll come to me. Um, it must have been a lie. That's what my It must have been says. a lie. It must have been a lie. As most of my stuff is. Uh, <laughs> Koulibaly at the back was strong for them. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what it was going to be. I was going to talk about our centre, uh, central uh, defence, but particularly Van Dijk and how much ground the man covers. My only worry sometimes is I think he's going to injure himself because... There were times when he comes across to cover so much for other positions. There was one where he came straight across when there was a, there was a guy coming in on the box and he come, don't know if it was insignia or whatever, but he come straight across and got a foot to it, knocked it out, but he rolled and sort of held his side. And it looked like he'd done his groin at one point. He's everywhere, and he? He's all over the pitch, the man, he's, and he's con- constantly covering for people. And you wonder whether that's going to end up something, but I don't want to be too pessimistic. But he was, he, despite the defeat, he was brilliant again, wasn't he? Yeah, he's just a colossus, isn't he? He really is, like, he's proving so so value for money, like everyone at the time was saying, oh God, 75 million, but it's proved absolutely right to spend that amount of money on him. And so much credit to Gomez as well. I thought he was probably Liverpool's best player last night, along with Van Dijk yeah. and along with Alisson. And Some lovely darts out, wasn't it? Some lovely kind they of... Just, they just seem to complement each other so well, don't they? I don't know whether Van Dyke's really like enjoying kind of like you know being that mentor role. I think I like, think that's always how they work. I think if you have two strong characters as central central centre backs, it's difficult because they they're sort of. I think there has to be a pecking order for, for any decent centre back combination. And I think at the moment, for me personally, Van Dyke and Gomez is is the master and servant that works perfectly well, master and apprentice. Yeah, and just a word for Allison as well, you know, because obviously. The mistake after at Leicester, there was so much, uh, you know, the spotlight was on him because of everything what had gone on with Callius last season. I think the way he's responded has been has been magnificent. He's just continued doing what he's been doing, except that he's just taking a bit more care, isn't he, in those kind of situations? Well, the, and it's it's one on one saves yeah. as well, which is he, he's which like is, he's, he's he's like he is like watching him in goal and outfielder the way he sort of approaches strikers. The, the, the Hazard save at Stamford Bridge last weekend. He stopped and then started, yeah, and it's yeah. very unorthodox. And yeah. I think it really puts off the yeah. opposition because you, you, you're expecting a goalkeeper to, to just spread himself, make himself big, and you're thinking, well, maybe I'll get a gap under his legs, maybe I can put it to his side. He, 
he plays chicken with the with yeah. into a tree. I'm, I'm making the movement and you can't see me because I'm on a podcast mm-hmm. but yeah, <laughs> he's, he's, he is making the movements of a constipated chicken at the moment <laughs> but, but that's what he does and, and he did it again last night he got fingertips to that save yeah. uh, so that shot that hit the bar yeah. that insigne shot yeah. what a save that is yeah, yeah. He's, he's I mean I was in moments when I was I obviously didn't know the result because it hadn't happened then but there was and I knew that we were playing bad because we were watching it but there were moments when he collects the ball or he just takes the ball or he, and I just thought, well, thank God we've got him. Thank God yeah, yeah. we've finally got someone who you know has got a 50-50 chance or more than to, to just pull us out of the crap because we haven't had that for a while and when you look at what we have had, you just think, oh, so many goals must have gone past them. There. You would look at him now and think he would have stopped so many of those goals. I mean, it's all if and that's and buts, but... Uh, another strong performance again. I mean, the, the the pass that led to the goal cut him out anyway. It was a beautifully timed pass. My anger with that was how that got to that pass. It was mm. ridiculous. Little stupid flicks on uh, down the byline that were allowed to go. There were times last night when Liverpool just wanted to shake him, didn't he? Because you just felt then just not. There were moments there where there were 50-50 balls to go and get the second ball, but they just didn't. No one ran to it. And Napoli, you could see Napoli thinking, okay, if this is what they've got, we're going to take them because they. It it was almost like. What we've got to remember is what we arrived at Napoli with, reputation-wise. This was a, they've been they've been um, outspoken about the the fact that they were gutted that they're in the same group as us. They didn't want to be in the same group as us, and yet we've gone there and shown them absolutely nothing. The celebrations afterwards showed you as well. I mean, they they were all you would have thought they qualified yeah. for the final. It was you know it was almost reminiscent of the, went on the way after the, the, the whistle, yeah they, 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 you know they were all in front of the the, uh, the ultras sort of giving it the beans. So it's. It is disappointing. I, I thought Liverpool could really exist in the dominance, but I, I, I think I sort of understand where they were coming from with the yeah. City game. I, I think this is where, you know, everybody... There were, there, were, there were two camps, I think, when the Champions League draw was made. There were, there, there were those who say, this is what the Champions League is for. This is amazing. You know, you want to play... The, you've got to beat the, the big teams anyway if you want to win it, which is true. But at the same time, you get a potential nightmare run like Liverpool have had over the past six, seven games. Yeah. And I, I can't think... Since maybe the treble winning season of 2001, I can't think of a, a host of games, a series of games where it was like, what was it, Barcelona, Leeds, Everton, you know, it was bang, bang, mm. bang. This isn't at the business end of the season as well, so no, you just worry no. about maybe the impact it'll have later on down the line. But, you know, it would have been a lot nicer if Liverpool could have managed to get Locomotive Moscow and, <laughs> and, and Maribor and, and the Dog and Duck again. But ultimately, I just think Napoli caught Liverpool on a, on a, a bad night. Um, well, no, no attempts at goal for the first time in uh, ninety minutes for the first time since two thousand and six, I think. And something in, 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 in Champions yeah, League, yeah, yeah, in Champions League, League. first time on the clock. I mean, that just tells you, doesn't it? That, that 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 says something on its own because it 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 actually points more to what you originally said, Christine, which is that they were told to keep it compact and not necessarily, which you find almost hard to say. But for not having any attempts at goal, you have to say something. Something must have been sent down the line there to, to tell him to do that. And even late on substitutions, Shakiri was never going to get a nod, was he? Mm. Because it, it, it almost felt like he was saying, well, all right, we'll keep the nil-nil and we'll take that away. But isn't, you know, um, the best laid plans. And I think it's, it very rarely, very rarely comes off positively when you decide to go and, and with, a, with a, a strategy that allows a nil-nil draw. It very rarely comes I, I off. I remember the same happened against Villarreal in 2016. Um, it was one of the only other times I remember it being... A, a perfect. I mean, it was a much better performance uh, against Villarreal than it was against Napoli last night. But it was a it was a perfect picture, perfect European away performance in that semi final, and then they scored in the 90th yeah. minute. 
and that's a, you know that's the problem. It, it is fine margins because you know Liverpool are in that Villarreal game they were a minute away in this game they were two minutes away, and everybody's lord and saying well they've shown this side to them as well. You know they're, they're the most complete team in Europe. It happens. Real Madrid lost to to CSK Moscow Absolutely. away with a goal in the first minute. Yeah. You know thing you know the game is ninety minutes long and, and that can happen, but at the same time. I just think circumstance forced Klopp's hand there because I think they've had such a run of games and I think no matter what anybody says, there is definitely one and a half eyes on the Manchester City game on Sunday. Are you referring to um, Bobby Firmino? I was going to say, yes. <laughs> 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 to give him his new nickname. Yeah. But yeah, and, and um, I, I, just, I just think it's one of those where the fixture list is still Liverpool there. I think if it was Red Star at home, Liverpool are on six points. I mean, that sounds, sounds obvious to say, but I think Napoli away at that point was probably the worst time to play them. Well, I think I think Christian just only had the first when he first mentioned it. Really, was if you look at that stretch of games and you come away with it with a with a Carabao carrier bag cup loss, uh, and the only other loss to, 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 to which was last night. I think they've done pretty well over that. When we first looked, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare run of games, wasn't it, over a short period of time? And if we've come out of it, even if we get a, you know if we get a draw or a win against City, City aren't going to want to play us. Maybe after last night they'll think, oh, right, we've got half a chance here, but they won't want to play us, let's face it. Uh, and if we can rectify that Sunday, we've come out of this pretty, pretty well, Paul. Yeah, I, I think everyone's hugely disappointed and a bit frustrated this morning because it, it came, by our own came, standards, came, isn't it? came yeah. as such a shock then. It was out of kilter with everything that's gone before in the last 18 months and particularly under Klopp. Uh, but there's not too much damage being done. You know, the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, there's the argument that it's a trophy that there's to be won, but Rightly or wrongly, well, it's rightly, it's, it's the fourth on the list of priorities. So that's gone now. The Champions League group is still in Liverpool's hands with these two games against yeah. Red Star. And on, on Sunday, what a game. Cannot wait for it. But even a point out of it. Like, I, I went along with a the theory there. I think someone, the lads in the office, said it a, a few weeks ago. Take a point off Chelsea and City. So they don't get anyone. No one goes further ahead. And I don't think on Sunday it'd be the worst result in the world for that. But I agree with you, Fitzy. I think... Liverpool are the team that City fear, particularly at Anfield. Yeah, I think it, I think Guardiola just has one, doesn't he? His head wobbles every single time. You had that wonderful insight into how, how he feels when we, when that documentary came out. And it was that Everton one, it was, it was before the Everton game, and he was talking about the <laughs> Liverpool game coming up. Um, we, we, we get under his skin, we clearly get under his skin. But you have to you have to say City are flying. You know, we were partly hoping that last season was going to be a bit of a flash in the pan, but they are flying. They're already... I mean, you know, we're joint top with them, but there's six goals ahead, something like that already after the, after seven games or whatever. So they're pounding them in. They're playing brilliant counter-attacking football. They're just, they're just very, very quick. Uh, Sterling's looking good again. Um, they are still a team to beat, aren't they, Christine? They are. Whether they can get 100 points, you know, whether they are the teams to beat that much. But they've already drawn know. one, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, all I would say is that I don't think they've beaten anybody of any real... They've uh, had a real. Quality. I think they've had a really easy run in so it's, it's far. What, you look at Liverpool's fixtures and you look at Manchester City and they go, "Why are they playing Wickham at home? Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> uh, why why have, they, why have they come into the Premier League all of a sudden? <laughs> it's just it's it is unreal. Uh, even to the degree of playing an Arsenal team who were clearly learning their way under yeah. Unai Emery in the first day of the season. That's when I'll always say it. People who say that the league table never lies, it can definitely lie because if Manchester City play Arsenal. When Liverpool play Arsenal, for example, in November, they will come across yeah. a much different team. Yeah, much more galvanised side. Uh, the side who knows how to play under under the new manager. They were clearly basically strangers yeah. um, in that game. So, yeah, City have had a very easy start in terms of the difficulty of fixtures. Um, Wolves probably actually looks like a good point now, to yeah. be fair, the way they've started. Yeah. But in general, 
this is City's first real test. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes because what Liverpool benefited from last time uh, they, they played them, certainly both times, I'd say, at Anfield, is that you know, I think City came in a little bit cold in terms of in the, in the league game in the 4-3. They'd just been so easy in the Premier League. Yeah. They hadn't been used to playing any sort of intensity. They'd just been steamrolling teams who, who, who would you know stop, drop and roll at the sight of Manchester yeah. City turning up. And again, come March in the uh, in the three 0 in the Champions League, I think Liverpool will come up against the Manchester City side who had just eased to a very simple win uh, over Man- uh, over Everton, I think yeah. it was. And ultimately, they were cancering to the league and, and and had had it all very easy. So when they come up against a team, it's a little bit like PSG, the way PSG, you know, easily walk through the league, and then all of a sudden they play a team like Liverpool with that intensity and that fire and that. Just that that little edge, and and they can't deal with it, and and I think that's Liverpool's hope here again, is that Manchester City have had a pretty easy start, and they walk into a, a cauldron on Sunday afternoon, and 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 wilts once more. They're walking into a cauldron, Paul, but they're walking into a cauldron without a, a, a really firing front three that did all, a lot of the damage last year. Um, could this be the game that sparks it? You'd hope so. It's the game that you'd. you'd You'd be inspired by, wouldn't you, if you were one of those front three? The, the question is, is whether Sturridge plays on Sunday because he cannot do much more than what he's done at this moment in time. But I think Klopp's in a bit of a quandary because, say, if he was to to, to leave out Salah, it, it creates a bigger story, doesn't it? You know, like he probably does need a rest, but I don't think this is the game to no. do it. But yeah, I, I just I hope we've probably not seen with Liverpool what you were talking about then, like in last season, we've not seen that like blitzkrieg football no. yet, have we? You know, like we did see in the uh, in the in the, the quarter final first leg at Anfield and I don't think that's a particularly bad thing because it's quite good in a way that they've shown that they can be conservative and they can grind out results and as as we've said earlier you know a nil nil on on Wednesday last night would have been a perfectly acceptable result but maybe Sunday is the is the game to go full pelt and you know and, and have the power at Anfield behind you and then show show City what they're really made of. I, there's one thing I'm noticing. I don't know whether it's it, it, I don't know whether it's it, it's it's just me over over uh, um, over assessing the situation. But I've found over the last few games and certainly since Liverpool, I've had a a much more stable back four and back five of the keeper. There's a lot more balls getting knocked back. There seems to be a lot more of Liverpool knocking the ball back, getting to a situation where they're driving forward instead of driving forward, knocking the ball back again. And I, I don't know whether that's because they're more, they've got more confidence in the back four or back five of the keeper. But it just seems to me like it's it's almost stunting that, that the blitzkrieg that you've just mentioned. That doesn't that doesn't seem to be a, a prominent feature anymore because we haven't got that gung ho going forward. We've got a little bit at the back and we're putting it around. It just seems to be a stale. Am I over assessing that situation? No, no, I, I think you're right. So there's a stat. I'm not even going to try and sort of replicate what what is said, but basically the gist of it. I'll, I'll try and dig it out and, and and put it on Twitter. But the gist of the stat is that teams, opposition teams, are now completing more passes in Liverpool's half than they were last season, like a lot more, which shows you that that press has gone. That sort of that desire to get the ball, not desire, but that that tactic to get the ball back as, as soon as possible might be sort of you know not as strong as it was. I think it's a. I think it's a tactical play by Klopp. I think he knows that this is a very long season. Mm-hmm. And I think he doesn't want to get to January, February, and he sees that the players are 
you know, a, a pretty much dead on the feet. So I think he is still trying to manage things at the moment. Sort of game to game, different game, yeah, strategies. So different. basically, don't 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 punch yourself out. Yeah. Don't 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 get to march and and be you know because it, it sort of happened last season mm-hmm. in a way. Did the without realising it, I think because of the fantastic Champions League run. They actually did start to... I know there was a lot of changes in, in those games as well, but they did start to sort of draw at West Brom, a draw against Stoke, mm. the defeat of Chelsea. You know, they, they weren't at the best in the league, and I think he's probably just mindful that he ultimately is aiming for three trophies now. He, he wants to win the, the Premier League. He, he knows that Liverpool are capable of at least reaching the final of the Champions League, and the FA Cup's always something that, you know, mm. I think Liverpool should try to win. And I think he just... That could be a 60-game season, and I think he doesn't want after 15, 16 games of the season to see everybody absolutely shattered. So I think we're seeing a more energy-conserving approach at the moment. The annoying part about that is that these are the sorts of games... You saw it a little bit against PSG, I think, and and I think he will bring it out again for the Man City. I think he's been a little bit more selective mm. about what games we see it in. I think maybe last season, we might we think about the Sevilla game, for example, in that November. Absolute balls to the wall wasn't it mm. you know they were 3-0 up within half an hour obviously it ended up 3-3 but it was a real high yeah, octane yeah, performance yeah. I think maybe last season Liverpool might have tried to do that to Napoli I think this season Liverpool is just trying to conserve and manage and realise that it is cliche alert a, a marathon and not a sprint um, and if that means Liverpool sprints a little bit less in game by game so be it could be a very risky strategy. Uh, let's go back to, uh, to to the Sunday's game against Chelsea just as a forerunner to what could happen on on Sunday because let's be honest with you I think Chelsea, Liverpool and City are the three front three best teams I've seen on display this season um, it was some game because I was at the Carib- I was at the Caribbean Cup one and it was you know it was neither in or there anyway really was it um, we were doing well and then we just seemed to take our foot off the gas again and, and you know Hazard come on and, and tore us a new one interestingly the lads I was sitting with I was sitting with Willie Miller the comedian Willie Miller and um when Sturridge tried that, what he scored on Sunday, he tried it again, didn't he? Hit the post the first, hit the bar, and he turned to me, Willie, and he said, "You will." He sort of half shouted, "You will never score from that far out." <laughs> Boy, could I wait? Couldn't wait to text him on Sunday. Um, it, but it was a scintillating performance, wasn't it, mate? It was two real big hitters together, really knocking, knocking, knocking it into each other, weren't they? And and, and um, the right result in the end, wasn't it? But an absolutely incredible goal by Sturridge. Yeah, proper game, wasn't it? Two proper teams. And I know on Blood Red, you guys uh, were talking about how it's almost okay to like Chelsea now because, like, it, this, it, it is a likeable team. It might not be a likeable club, but the manager's good, isn't he? The players are good. And I thought Liverpool went toe-to-toe to him with, throughout the game. And, yeah, they, I tell you what, they... I don't think they've probably been given the credit they deserve, Chelsea, for what they've done so far this season. Because they, well, considering like, new manager, Con- they've hit the ground running. Conte, I think he, he took charge of pre-season, didn't he, the first week? And mm. this fella's obviously, like Klopp, has got a, a, his own style of play and he can see his implement it. Uh, I think it was a cracking result. It was an unbelievable goal by, by Sturridge oh, and, and an unbelievable goal by Hazard as well. Like It was uh, just a real fawn in the side, but I don't think Liverpool will be the only team who uh, suffered at his hands at the moment. No, I was a bit frustrated because I was sitting sort of on an angle uh, in the ground watching just as he picked up that ball. And, you know, you can be ultra-critical and part of me says he shouldn't really be getting that through that many players and then turn again. But then you've got to understand, I suppose, a player with that low centre of gravity like that is so hard to read and get the ball off. And also, once he gets into the area, you, you're, you're pulling back anyway because you're going to give a pen away. He, he really is starting to 
it all goes for the Suarez season, 2013-14. It's interesting how the roles might be reversed here because in 2013-14, of course, I think Chelsea and City were, were seen as the as the one and two. Um, and then here comes Luis Suarez and Liverpool to sort of, you know, bloody the noses of, 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 of the uh, the expected top two. I think this season, I think Man City and Liverpool were expected to be the top two. But here comes Eden Hazard dragging yeah. Chelsea because uh, that's to do with the service to, to a number of players. Jorginho looks like an absolute brilliant player yeah. somebody Liverpool were very much looking at in the summer he wasn't playing last night <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine picking them off um, you know Sadi's obviously come in and implemented this style but you know he looks like he could have a, a Suarez-esque season where you know Dragon's he's just given that there, free role isn't he exactly to and, to and, and, and everything he's touching as we say a Suarez season a Salah season you know if we want to update it um, hopefully come you know the, the, when they play in Carabag and Beat Borisov and Vidi <laughs> and all these these teams from from Eastern Europe. Hopefully that's you know stumbles them a little bit um, in the Europa League. That that that's the hope with them. But you know they, they are looking interesting um, and certainly surprising to me because I didn't think that they they'd be no. up there at the moment. I think defensively they're going to let themselves down a little bit. There are, there, there are a lot of openings there. To Alonso's not a left. I don't know what Alonso is. It's um, like a left wing. He's, he? a, he's, <laughs> he's, he's he is, isn't he? He, he, was, he was fantastic under Conte in that sort of left wing back yeah, role. Yeah. But he's, he's an orthodox left back now. And to be fair, against Chelsea, Liverpool should have made should have exploited more, a lot yeah. more yeah. of yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely right. Talking about um, potential. F- well, we didn't really, actually. We'll talk about anyone up front, maybe putting pressure on our front three. Obviously, we've got Sturridge there. Ryan Brewster's making a, a comeback to fitness. He might be knocking on the door pretty soon. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope so. He's, he's been on Twitter, hasn't he, saying that he's, he's getting close. And the fact that uh, Klopp was so desperate to keep him says says a lot about, about this player. And in the summer, no-one was really talking too much about Sturridge, weren't they? Mm. It, was, it was the case of, does Klopp need to sign another strike? Well, not really, because Brewster's coming through, so... Yeah, and you know, it's actually in a way with Studies playing as well as he, as he is at the moment, it might take the pressure off Brewster a little bit. You know, there's no rush to push him through. He is still very, very young, but yeah, definitely an exciting one to see. Let's talking of which, um, just, sorry, uh, let's just hope he's Liverpool's Machida. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> with a bit more longevity, obviously. Um, but let's hope he's popping up in March and April. Nobody has a clue who he is. Well, and that's he, hard because he has won the World Cup at the end of the 17th. <laughs> but he will still surprise a lot of people because he's you know, popping yeah. up and scoring yeah, a couple yeah. of vital goals and stuff. It's time. It, for it'd just be good to have him as a strength on the on the bench. Liverpool under 23s. We'll give a little mention to them as well, of course. Liverpool under 23s back to winning ways with a three-one victory at Chelsea. <sighs> At least we can beat Chelsea at some level. Uh, Matty Virtue yet again. Rafa of Camacho as well with the goals. Uh, and they're away to West Brom this Sunday. Good luck to the under-23s. Liverpool under-18s won 4-2 at Stoke. Two goals from Bobby Duncan. Uh, one from Louis uh, Louis uh, Longstaff. And an own goal. And the under-18s host Man City this Saturday. I'll have to just point... We have to just mention that weird goal at the... Uh, was the under-23s just doing Napoli? Yeah, oh, you were in wasn't it? Uh, it was ridiculous. Two balls on the pitch. Yeah. They took a throw in 30 yards ahead of where it went out. And the ref... <laughs> Let it happen. Just want to, people just want to get out of Napoli, don't they? By then, he's going, Look, let's just get let's out of here. You know, the, the, the sharpening the knives as we speak. Uh, so, uh, this is the one the under 19s do. They were 1 0 up right till the last minute in Napoli in the UEFA Youth League on Wednesday. You can see the conservational injury time equaliser. Conservational being the word after uh, Bobby. Uh, at the, how do you spell it? How do you say it? You have to say it twice, like mix his name up, don't you? Uh, Liverpool FC women are playing well as well. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, lost 1 0 at home to Reading. They'll be playing again soon. Um, we've got City. Obviously, a quick one before we go. Who have we got to watch out for? City, Aguero, 
I would imagine. Although Guerrero's never scored at Anfield. No, he hasn't. Staff fans, there we go. Staff fans. So I've absolutely jinxed that. You've absolutely (laughs) slaughtered that jinxed it. A trick. Uh, They are flying at the moment, City, aren't they? Uh, Give us a prediction. I'll just have to do a score prediction. Give us a prediction for Sunday, Christian. 3 1 Liverpool. That's a great prediction. 2 1 Liverpool. We're both going for wins for Liverpool. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go for a win for Liverpool. I've got to say, even with even with uh, Allison uh, in goal now, he makes me. I used to always presume we were gonna we were gonna concede. Now he's an incredible goalkeeper, but you've got to imagine the kind of pressure that City are probably gonna come under. So I'm gonna give him one goal, maybe for City, but I will go for a two-one win. I'm gonna go with a wheelie for that one, two-one win. Christian, thank you very much. Enjoy the bueno. Thanks. You already have bad, bad looks of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you cane up? I didn't have any breakfast. <laughs> what did you suck that in? Then that was unbelievable. Uh, Paul, thank you very much, mate. Pleasure, Paul Wheelock mate. and Christian Walsh, join us again for another. Uh, poetry and motion. Listen, let's be positive about it. Two games that we could afford to lose, really, to be honest with you. Uh, onwards and upwards. Let's get a rejuvenated Reds and get back to winning ways on Sunday. Come on, the mighty Reds. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time with Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.